Round one. Fight. Welcome to Games We Grew Up With, a podcast that relies on nostalgia and a geeky sensibility. Each episode, we'll talk about one of the video games that left an impression on us as kids, put on some rose-tinted glasses and reminisce about it, then replay the game and see how it's held up over the years. This episode, we're hitting our combos and talking about Street Fighter II for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System and Sega Genesis. I'm Chris. And I'm Katie. Whatever day you listen to this episode, for us... It'll just be a Tuesday. So let's jump in. Yes. Episode 21. We are on to another fighting game, which is more of my genre. So excited for that. We kind of owed it to you a little bit. Just a little. (laughs) Uh, No, but you'll notice also on our Twitch, because go watch us on Twitch. Hello. We've been playing a bunch of different games, honestly. So it, it's really, this is a, I think this is a great time to check us out on Twitch because we are doing a variety of games right now as opposed to just sticking to one and kind of overwhelming, which can be fun. But right. also, I think I really like being able to switch and play a bunch of different games. So check us out. We have a bunch of the future episodes coming up over on Twitch. You can find out what they are early if you're watching us over there. Uh, so this is our becoming regular promo spot for check us out on social media, but particularly on Twitch. The only bad thing about us having a ton of games to play at the same time is that I tend to favor one more than the other because I have no discipline. So <laughs> I end up playing the game that I want to play, even if it's not the game that I should be playing. Eh, as long as you get to the games, that's all that matters. Yes. I will say in current events, I got my second vaccine shot a couple days ago and boy, Woo-hoo! did I feel it. <laughs> oh. I had a rough night and the next day, so we were recording this episode uh, a day later than we wanted to, because I felt like garbage yesterday. (laughs) But the important part, it was worth it, because that means you're done. Yes, I am done. Oh, God. But here we are! I've got my mental faculties together, as far as I know. So, we should be good. As much as anything. Yeah. (laughs) Aha! Pew pew! Shots fired. <laughs> so, now that we are up to date on current events and we have done, as I said, what's becoming our regular Twitch promo, it's time for Video Game Trope of the Day. Trope of the Day! Hooray! Hadouken! So, Chris, what is this episode's Video Game Trope of the Day? This episode's Trope of the Day is the Smurfette Principle. So if you've never watched the Smurfs, I don't want to talk to you because I don't know how that's possible. Because <laughs> they're <So>. young. <laughs> the Smurfette principle is essentially the idea that you've got this whole group of characters, but there's only one female. So obviously this was in the Smurfs. There was only Smurfette. Yes. Literally the only female in an entire in their society. Whole village. So yeah. How'd that work in? Yeah, maybe she lays eggs. I don't know. Oh, no. 
<laughs> I didn't want to think of Smurf eggs. <laughs> I think the Snorks was this way too, but the Snorks was just. Oh, I forgot about them. <laughs> oh, the Snorks the were great too. The I Snorks was just a ripoff of of the Smurfs. So. I, I'm sure there's someone who like, vehemently disagrees. Yes, there's someone who yeah. vehemently disagrees with you on that one, and I I'm with you though. It, it was a ripoff. <laughs> but this also, of course, applies to video games. Yes. It doesn't fall into our lonely animator syndrome that we talked about, but it's that same idea of when you have mostly men working on games, they don't think that you need the inclusion of ladies, except for then the token one lady. Examples include Donkey Kong Country. Right. It is Candy Kong, or as I like to say that everyone hates Sexy Kong. <laughs> <laughs> Producer Lisa just cringed. Cringed audibly in the background. More recently for us in the podcast, at least, is Final Fantasy 3. You just had Raphia, despite the fact that I kept calling Ark a lady. It was just Raphia. <laughs> and in the original, because we played the remake where Raphia is Raphia, in the original, yeah. they are all just generic people that don't have names, and so they're all dudes. So there's not even a lady there. I mean, in fairness, there are women in other parts of the game. It's just the party. Yeah. The main party. That's what we care about. And that's kind of the interesting part. Like, we talk about Donkey Kong Country. Candy Kong is obviously not playable. Same with right. Star Fox. You have Cat, who comes in at one point. But yeah. she really isn't a main part of your team, but she is the only lady pilot we meet. She did have an amazing theme whenever she showed up. She did. <laughs> she did, absolutely. Obviously, with the game that we're going to talk about in this episode, Street Fighter, there was only one. Well, man, it was Chun Li. So, in yeah. at least until Street Fighter Two, the original, yeah. the original version of Street Fighter Two. Later on, there was like a remake that Tammy got added within the Street Fighter Two continuum, but it wasn't until like three versions of Street Fighter 2 later, so I don't count that right away. Cammy? Tammy. Cammy? There's a Tammy? Oh, no, it is Cammy. I said It Tammy. is Cammy. Yeah. Cammy. It's Cammy. It's not Tammy. It's Cammy. Yeah. It's definitely... Oops. Oh, yes. Change the notes. It's a little late now. <laughs> uh, whatever. She doesn't... Kylie matter. Minogue. Yes, Kylie. God. <laughs> Mario is another wonderful example of there being only yeah. one lady around because there's either there was Toadette yeah. with the Toads, which she didn't come till how long into the series, yeah. and then of course there's just Princess Daisy. She came way later as well. Yeah, but I think that shows you can grow out of it. Yeah, absolutely. And just like Street Fighter and Mario, you can grow out of it and add extra characters and, and evolve the series, so it can get better, but it takes time. Apparently. It's whenever they discovered fan service. That's when more uh, more female characters started getting added. <laughs> yeah. You see it in movies too. Kingsman, both of them are really a good example. Like all of the Kingsmen were men. Yeah, except for And one. then there was the one who immediately got killed in the second movie. So Spoilers. I mean, I guess that's, you know, an ancient society. So everything was misogynistic. No. Leading still up to not that. accepting that. Ah! Also, of course, we have of the original Avengers. You just have, while there are other women running around, there's only Black Widow as an actual hero um, in the Avengers. Yeah. It's action, action adventures happen a lot. This is why, um, if you've heard of the Bechdel test, that is something that comes in movies. Oh, absolutely. It definitely relates to the idea of the Smurfette principle of only either being one female or very minimal females who never speak to each other. It happens in books. It happens in movies. It happens a lot of places. There are 
not great explanations for why it happens of we don't know how to do it for a woman. There's a, especially for video games, there's a really easy way of solving that. Hire a woman. <laughs> like not as like your, you don't need your whole team to be women, but have women on your team. And it's funny. You'll be able to put women in your game and understand how women work. You run the risk of having that being like, you're our woman consultant. Well, which yeah, is... you don't want tokenism. I'm yeah. not talking about tokenism. <laughs> so, Rant done a little bit. We are very lucky here at Games We Grew Up With because we have half men, half women represented on this podcast, so we aren't <laughs> part of the Smurfette principle, which is our video game trope of the day. Trope of the day! So it is time to talk about our game of the episode. Katie, what can you tell me about Street Fighter 2? Or Street Fighter 2 Turbo? Hyper? It's there's so much going on with this game. It's it's yeah, that is something that has yeah. become part of the Street Fighter legacy is the fact that they have multiple editions of every single iteration of the game. Oh my so god! You have, like I think we're only on Street Fighter Five. I want to say mm-hmm. there has been so many games in between. Yeah. That from Street Fighter 2 that we're talking about to Street Fighter 5. We are specifically talking about today the games that we played as kids and in this replay. Street Fighter 2 Turbo Hyper Fighting for the SNES and Street Fighter 2 Special Champions Edition for the Sega Genesis. Those are the two particular editions we are speaking about. The original Street Fighter 2, just plain Street Fighter 2, came out in 1991. The two versions we are talking about in this episode both came out in 1993 by Capcom for all of the systems, there were other iterations in between, like one or two that came out, I believe, for PC that came out between the original arcade version and the versions we're playing. But again, we are focusing specifically on the SNES version and the Sega version, which both came out in 1993. Just to note a couple of changes from the original Street Fighter 2 to these additions that we played, biggest thing is they added to the roster so street fighter 2 added a lot of the characters that of course are now everyday occurrences in street fighter like chun li like ken these are characters that came in the original street fighter 2 the champions edition and turbo added the bosses as playable characters so you weren't originally allowed to play what they called the shadow shadow bosses yeah shadow shadow bosses which are the four last people you fight in the competition mode you didn't used to be able to play as them in the original street fighter you can now play them in the versions we played and then they all- wait who are the who are the four sorry it's it's and bison saget ba- uh zangief? zangief no no not zangief vega and vega and balrog uh, balrog okay So those are the last four. They also added what they call mirror matches, which is where you can play your own character. So in the original version, you could not have Ryu versus Ryu. Hmm. So in this version, they added those like alternate costumes and you can actually have those mirror matches. They also rebalanced the characters. So it was a little bit smoother. They differentiated actually Ryu and Ken a little bit more in our versions so that they weren't exact replicas of each other, which was my other temptation really to make for our trip of the day was Shoto clone, which is the idea. (laughs) There is a fighting game, that character that's basically based on Ryu of he can do the fireball. He can do a uppercut. He can do flying kick. Like almost every fighting game has a character like that wearing a gi. Mm Mm-hmm. Ken was the original Shoto clone based on Ryu, but they actually differentiated them a little bit more in this game than the original version. And that continued as the franchise went on. I'm pretty sure they they kind of made Ken his own character with his definitely different moves, but... Exactly. 
and then there were a couple different modes in these versions that weren't in the original. They had the regular championship of mode, which is just play through the arcade version. Then there's hyper mode, which is where they went faster, and then they added move sets in hyper mode as well. So these are kind of new additions that they added to the games that we are talking about. But I'm going to be honest, we're going to call it Street Fighter 2 pretty much the rest of this podcast because it's way too much of a pain in the butt to call it one of the other versions. Just go look at the Wikipedia page for this game and just see the plethora of versions. It's it's a hot mess, like trying to trace all of it. Unsurprisingly, when we're looking at a game that has had many iterations and many sequels, the critics liked this game. Ta-da! <laughs> Interestingly, though, Game Rankings has the aggregate score on the Sega as only a 78, and the SNES version as a 82%. The weird thing about that 78% is every review I could actually find for the system was 80 or above. Huh. So I'm not sure. It must be some lesser known, maybe like review sites that aren't really as available anymore that gave yeah. those lower scores. Because I mean, it's a perfect arcade game, honestly. Exactly. Breaking down some of the more specific numbers, the Sega Genesis slash Mega Drive version of Street Fighter sold 1.65 million cartridges. The SNES version sold 4.1 million copies around the world. Mm. Sold really well. People really enjoyed the games. There's a reason this series has lasted as long as it did. Oh, yeah. And this is the game I think most people started on if they didn't start more recently. Yeah, unless you were hardcore into the arcade scene, like coin-operated stand-up arcades. So some fun facts about these games. Ryu and Ken's Hadouken is often pronounced Hadouken. So they, they tried to make this more clear in other games. Also, the whole pronunciation between Ryu and Ryu is one of those things that I think people don't really get over. It's kind of you, you say what you said when you played the game 20 years ago, and it's hard to break that. And I think the funny thing is they specifically said that the sound effects from Street Fighter 2, which is just stick in everyone's brain, everyone I've spoken to about this game, yeah. remember how it sounds. You hear it in your head when you think about it. It sounded so much like Hadouken that everyone thinks it's Hadouken, even though it's Hadouken. And even in later games, they have cleaned up that pronunciation. They basically acknowledge the fact that people still think of Street Fighter 2 and hear Hadouken. <laughs> and yeah. I, I love that. It's, you know, what they could do with the hardware, so... Another fun fact, the makers of Street Fighter 2 almost missed their deadline because one of their main designers for characters was obsessed with Chun-Li's legs. So apparently he had a huge, like, leg thigh fetish. So he just spent so much time drawing and redesigning and throwing out old models and redesigning again to get Chun-Li's legs perfect that literally the entire team almost missed their deadline because this one dude had a super weird fetish, which is... I read that and it blew me away and at the same time creeped me the heck out. It's just like, oh no. It also, it explains so much. So much. It explains <laughs> so much when you're like, oh, oh, that was his thing. Oh. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> it's like, uh, oh, oh, now I feel gross playing Chun-Li. Like, oh. And that has literally affected her model ever since then. Yeah, like, they've only gotten bigger. We're, we're going to get to Street Fighter 100, and it's literally just going to be two gigantic legs with some buns on top <gasps> and yes. maybe some arms. It'd be kind of amazing to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> Just lean into it at that point. Absolutely. Ugh. Another fun fact about the development. Combos were considered a bug 
and almost taken out of the game, which is hilarious as a modern day fighting game fan. Uh, yeah. Basically, because this game made it so much faster and more fluid than the previous fighting games on any system, really, it allowed players to start chaining multiple attacks together. But because of that, the reason this happened was because there'd be basically this time period after the player inputted uh, a move that it would still be processing and there was a split second or not a split second but there was a small window where if the player was able to get another move in in that time period it would chain them that was not intentional by the developers and the original developer was worried it was ruining everything about the game but, but basically playtesters convinced him no no this makes it so much better and basically people who are very very good can take advantage of that and that's how you get those traditional combos of being able to hit multiple in a row is because of a slight bug that there's basically a lag time between when you input to when it is acted upon which is kind of crazy. <laughs> Pretty interesting. Again, it's funny. We, this is having a couple games that we've talked about that either bugs or late editions or things that they didn't notice that have become yeah. staples of the genres almost. Oh, yeah. basically happened by accident. The other one I think of is, oh, and I'm blanking on the term, what it's called now, but from... Uh, Adaptive difficulty? Are you oh. talking about Space Invaders? That's the classic. Yeah. That's the very classic one. Yes. Uh, no, that's a great one, too. No, I was actually thinking of... Rocket jumping? Rocket jumping, yeah. Players started doing that, and it was a bug, and it is yeah. now a staple of those kind of games to be able to, you know, use that as an extra boost to get up, which is crazy. But I think this is a lot of great information about Street Fighter 2 and all of the other pieces of Street Fighter 2 we'll be discussing today. There's a lot to it. Really excited to start playing this game. So let's play that Chi Ocarina of Time, go back to the past, and talk about the game before we had a chance to play it again for the millionth time, but in modern. Let's go! Sonic Boom! And as always, that music means we are back in the past, back before we had a chance to play the game so we can talk about it with our rose-tinted glasses, unbiased by a recent playthrough. So now it's time to talk about Street Fighter 2. Chris, what do you remember? I remember playing this at the Babysitters a lot, I think. Really. I, I'm pretty sure we played this at the Babysitters. It might have been the Super Nintendo version oh, instead of the Sega version. I vaguely remember that but i don't remember playing it very much there at all that might have been an age difference thing that might have been i don't know if she would have let yeah. me play that game there because she right. was a bit strict about those kind of things yeah you might have been playing with the older boys with that and i might not have been allowed to play yeah so this is definitely a game where i remember playing multiplayer way more than whatever minimal single player campaign i think they had oh yeah i mean but we definitely we had it on the sega genesis so we definitely we played it a lot at home as well at least i played obviously played it a lot at home as well i mean it is the we talked about it in the soul caliber episode that i love fighting games and soul caliber was i think what got me really passionate about them but this was my first true fighting game that i remember playing on a console like this was my real yeah. introduction to console fighting games and I loved it, and shocking no one, I played as Chun-Li all the time, always. <laughs> I think I started, initially when I started playing, I always did E-Honda, because he had that thousand fist move. Very similar just, to Chun-Li's kick, to be fair. That, that is true. And that was like the really cheesy way 
to win fights if you were playing someone that didn't know what they were doing. Yeah, well, it was also an easy move to spam. So when you're a kid, it's really nice to spam that move of over and over, over and over, over and over and over and over. <laughs> yeah, because you literally just, yeah, you would just mash the button. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Sure, and right? this is game yeah. definitely I, I button mashed a lot of when I first started playing it, which is why a character like Chun-Li really helped. I also played, um I remember doing Blanca a lot because of his electricity move. So you'd get someone get near you and you could do like, I think, I don't remember what button it was, but you could like double tap and you'd get all electric. I'm pretty sure there was also a, Yes, a button mash technique. Yeah, exactly. Where you just sat so you there. Could just, yeah, zap anyone who gets close to you. <laughs> um, so it was an easy, again, easy go to move when you're learning the game. But this was definitely the game that taught me fighting move combos and the idea of I need combos to get fighting moves that you can't just bash, you know, buttons and everything like that. So trying to learn how to do a Haruken or, you know, <laughs> trying to get the moves down came from this game for sure for me. Yeah, and I think I ended up going a lot with, with Ryu because he had those fairly easy but good Hadouken? Haruken? I think yeah. it's Hadouken. There's the Hadouken, which is the f- actual like flame ball thing, and then yeah. there's and the... Yeah, and then there's like the dragon punch. Yeah, which is the Haruken, or the... the Hadi- Hadouken? Hadouken. <laughs> we're getting all the names yeah. wrong, and we're butchering the heck out of them. <laughs> oh, yeah. But also the fact that Ken was the easy go-to if you knew Ryu because he had all of Ryu's moves. Exactly the same thing. just a blonde Ryu. Except I think in the the next, it wasn't in this Street Fighter game, but if you did like the big dragon punch, you could light the other person on fire. Yes, yes, yes. No, but in this one, it was, um, oh God, who was the guy? Dalsum, who could extend his legs and arms? Yeah, and shot fire. He shot fire and he had the one where a fireball would be like hanging outside of his mouth. It wasn't a extended shot. It like stayed right in front of him. It was like a flamethrower. Like a flame breath. And that would, if if it beat you with that move, your whole corpse lit on fire and you were like a a burnt crisp at the end. I remember that. What was the name of that attack? Oh, I I don't remember. Yoga, yoga fire? Yeah, it was something. Oh yeah, yoga fire! Yeah. 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 Some of the sound, like, and that's one thing I actually wrote down was the sound effects and the noises that came from this game of Hadouken. Yeah. Incredibly, incredibly iconic because yeah. yeah, this was one of those really early runners. Yeah, and Yoga Fire, Yoga yeah. Fire, and of course, for me, all these sound effects came in repetition because again, you'd spam things, so you'd just <laughs> do it over and over again, so you'd hear it like three or four times in a row, which makes it even better. And what was, oh, Guile had, um, the he like a tornado kick. thingy. No, he had, uh, he oh, he maybe. Spin. He spun at you like, oh, no, 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 that was, um. No, that was Ryu. That was right, mate. No, 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 I'm not yes. thinking of spinning kick. I'm thinking actually of. Guile did like the backflip kick. Yes, no, I'm thinking of M. Bison's like when he became like a screw kick. Like, oh, yeah. That's yeah. M. Bison who did that. Oh, Vega with his claws and how he could climb the fences. Was Vega in this one? Yeah, Vega I was couldn't remember. absolutely okay. in this one. And this Because I know is, like Cammy wasn't in this one yet. I don't No, think. I don't believe Cammy was. I want to say Chun Li was the only woman in this game. And so we actually Balrog, got extra characters. Maybe? Balrog was in there. He's the one who he's the boxer. Yeah. Yes, he was the not Mike Tyson. Well, boxer. again, he, that was the whole shift of names of M. Bison was originally Balrog's yeah. name, and that was too close to their like because it was blatantly named after Mike Tyson. And then they were like, yeah. "Oh wait, we'll get sued." So they moved his <laughs> name to the villain. The um, Vega was originally the villain's name, became the Spaniard, and then the Spaniard name of Balrog moved to the boxer. 
right. or something like that. It's something where they moved like three names around to hide that it was blatantly supposed to be Mike Tyson. I think I still remember how to do most of the moves. I think I do too. And I was I was thinking about it. It's funny going to arcades now and if you manage to find like those old arcades with like a Street Fighter 2, I can mm-hmm. replicate some of the moves still from yeah. playing so long as a kid. And, I, you know, I learned from playing on the Sega just the combos of, okay, this is up-up kick or this is left-right kick or this is left-right punch. Like just remembering those different kind of combos and being able to adapt them to the arcade version. The other thing that always I think a lot of people talk about with Street Fighter 2, and I definitely remember being one of my favorite parts, was the bonus level with the break the car. Yeah, punching the car. Punch the car until you destroy it. And like the whole concept of like you can punch a car to break it. Yeah. That's a thing. Again, that that's such a classic, and everyone talk, remembers that. And all of the di- – yeah. in general, though, the different settings of the game, I think were much more uh, in-depth yeah. than I would have expected for a fighting game back then. Like each – fighter had a hometown and a home turf and and there was it was very detailed and there was stuff going on in the background and some of them had breakable stuff i want to say that you could like crates like crates and stuff like and yeah there were people moving in the background a lot of the times it was really clever again yeah just really cool and i like i said i'm pretty sure maybe maybe it wasn't in this version of the game that vega could climb the walls but i'm pretty sure he could climb the walls at some point he could you're yeah you're you know right. and oh god what was the big russian dude's name zangief or zangief from the and that's another sound effect i remember when you would click on him it'd be like ussr yeah for his, his home <laughs> turf <laughs> i just the voices and just how over the top the game was just really appealed to me as a kid because it yeah, was, it was very, bright and very it was colorful, colorful and flashy yeah exactly and flashy and it if you wanted to be very, very good, it was complicated. If you didn't, you could still have a ton of fun and get your way through the game and just and just enjoy the game, which is, again, really appealing for a young audience that we were when we played this game. Right. We definitely played this incredibly casually. And, yes. You know, wouldn't get super, super involved other than, like, a couple times we were playing each other or maybe go through the campaign. Right. I was like, I want to say I did the campaign a couple of times at least, but I don't think it was ever, it was more of a, hey, Chris, you want to play some Street Fighter together? Okay. And then we would play each other. It was never serious playthroughs, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I, I think you're right. But I, I will say the only other thing that I feel like I have to bring up, the movie. Oh my God, the movie. That was that was a treat. The movie is so bad it's good kind of movie. 100%. Oh yeah. Like uh, was it Rule uh Raul Julia, Raul Julia his last his last movie before he passed away. Last movie and it is he absolutely <laughs> took that to camp. Like, he as, as so he was like, chewed the scenery but you needed uh, him to. He needed to be so over the top. And I'll never forget one of my favorite lines and I think a lot of people's favorite lines from the movie from him is he's like, for you, that was the day that everything changed and your world ended. For me, it was Tuesday. And you're it like... It was a Tuesday. And you're like, yes. oh, God, you're such a bad guy, <laughs> and I love it! I mean, that's a line that has gone... Like, that has become a meme. It's it's become a trope. Yeah, like, it's just so good, and I, I loved it so much. And again, you know, JCVD playing an American... Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say he was in that, right? He was Guile. And, he was the oh, main man. character. Guile was the main character in the movie. Yeah, and it was JCVD who's blatantly playing an American with his <laughs> not American accent. Super, super 
Dutch, right? Jean-Claude Van Damme, who's Belgian. 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 Yeah, I want to say that because I, I remember he talks about he speaks Flemish and French and German and English because just like like every other European, he speaks like six languages. <laughs> but yes, Jean-Claude Van Damme. And it was just so 90s in such a great way. I love oh, that movie. Yeah. It was so good. And again, that came obviously much later than when we were playing the game. At least I don't remember watching it till much later oh, yeah. than when yeah, we yeah, played yeah. the game. I think you're right. It just reminded me how much I love the game, genuinely, as much as it was ridiculous. It was just like, oh, they would make the worst references. And I'm like, lol, I remember that from the game. <laughs> it was it was nice and simple compared to, especially compared to Soul Calibur. I just remember going yes. back and playing, when we played Soul Calibur for, for the podcast, I was like, oh my god, this is so complex compared to... <laughs> Street Fighter or something like that. And maybe that, again, is also we didn't realize how complex Street Fighter was because we played it at the age that we were very young. True. I will say. But I don't, even, I don't know if there's a ton of, like, there's combos, but there's not, like, built-in combo type stuff. I want to say where there were, like, pages and pages of combos for Soul Calibur, I don't think that's the case in Street Fighter. I don't remember no. it being the case. Even there's in the later like ones, because I, I kept playing it. But I want to say there's a lot less moves. A lot less special moves, I should say. And and even there wasn't like people found combos, but it wasn't like there was built-in combos. Yeah, like they didn't design the move sets, and I could be completely wrong. It felt like they didn't design the move sets around these combos that you could set up. Unlike in Soul Calibur, where it's like, here, do this special move, which will transition you into this one, which will transition you into this one. Yeah. No, I agree. It does. It, it felt a lot more straightforward and simple, and that might have been because of the hardware it was on. To be fair, you know, this is way that's very way true, simpler yeah. than a PS2, and it, way simpler than an arcade. Because again, this was something that they that absolutely started in an actual arcade and moved to a system. It was interesting comparing this to Mortal Kombat, which came out fairly close. Yeah. Because, you know, Mortal Kombat was the blood everywhere and, like, the rotoscoped friends that were the models instead of the, you know, the animated stuff that they had for Street Fighter. Yeah. It was a very... They took two different routes when they were developing these games. So after all of that, Katie, what is your rose-tinted score for this? It has to be an 8 out of 10. I really love this game. It's it's so shallow that I can't really, even in my memories, give it more than an 8 out of 10. Yeah. Because there just wasn't very much to it. I didn't play it when I wasn't with friends, pretty much. Uh-huh. So I, I have to give it an eight just because that's just what worked for me and that's how it fit my memories back then. I still mm-hmm. really loved it though. I loved this game. I loved how it felt. I loved playing it. I loved the sound effects and the gameplay, but you know, at the end of the day, it was still a very shallow game at the time. And so I, an eight out of 10 feels about right. What about you? What would you give it? I'm also going to go with an eight for pretty much the same reason. It, it felt like it was very accessible and a ton of fun. And I, I'm trying to s- separate that because I know I've gone back and played it on the like the Sega Mini or the SNES Mini mm-hmm. since we got those things. But I, I have nothing but fond memories of it. So I'm also going to go with an 8. So then following that up, what do you predict it will be now that you have to play it again? Do you think it'll live up to those expectations or will it be more complicated the way Soul Calibur was unexpectedly? I was actually going to say there's zero chance it's going to live up to it, but only because it's still just as simple. <laughs> and we've come a long way since then. Like, yeah. I, I'm going to, I think I'm probably going to end up giving it like a seven would be my guess. I don't really want to drop it more than that because I still think it'll be a ton of fun. And, you know, all that kind of campiness will be there. 
Mm. What about you? What do you think you're going to give it on our replay? I think because I've played so many fighting games up to this point, and I've played better fighting games nowadays, yeah. especially newer newer Street Fighters, that I'm going to find a lot of frustration in, in certain aspects of this game. So I'm dropping mm. it to a six and a half. It feels a little harsh saying it, but I think it's just one of those things of comparing it to modern day fighting games, especially modern day street fighters. It's just nostalgia is going to be what makes it stay where it is as opposed to actual fun gameplay. That makes sense. So both of us are giving it an eight for a rose tinted. I am expected to give it a seven and you are guessing you're going to give it a six and a half. Mm -hmm. So why don't we go back to the future after our playthrough and see how we did. Sounds like a plan. Let's play that Chi Ocarina of Time. Sonic Boom. Hiroken! <laughs> so we are back in the present and we have played the game. And as a special bonus, we have watched the movie that is based on this game. Because ordinarily, we would talk about the plot of the game first, but there really is no plot to this game. But fortunately, they made a movie based on this game. And I was gonna say it wasn't terrible. It wasn't great, but it was so campy, it was good. This is definitely a movie that 100% falls into, in my opinion, so bad it's good. It's, yeah. it's so campy and over the top. If you're unfamiliar, there was a movie that came out in 1994, so a year after Street Fighter 2 came out on the two major systems. Mm-hmm. It's called Street Fighter, but it is specifically based on Street Fighter 2. It's the most 90s movie ever. It's so 90s. It's It features Jean-Claude Van Damme oh, and Raul Julia. Um, mm-hmm. so Jean-Claude plays Guile, Raul Julia plays M. Bison. Raul Julia, we talked about it as a, a little bit in the Rose section, but yeah. he was just as amazing as I remembered. Perfect. Everything was amazing. Perfect! <laughs> <laughs> this cast was loaded. We talked about it in the Rose. I mean, Cammy was played by Kylie Minogue. Wes Studi was Saget. Ming-Na Wen was also in it. She was Chun-Li. Yes! Mulan! Mulan was Chun-Li! There was it was a pretty a weirdly well done cast. It was just a lot of fun. It's over the top. It basically is M Bison has captured some volunteer A N not not U N yes the U N threatened to sue them so they went to A N and is trying to basically take over a country um, and that's it that's basically and then they beat him up to, to prevent that from happening you had basically appearances from all the major characters none of them how they normally are and that's kind of the interesting thing their approach basically was similar to the characteristics but all their backstories were completely different than the game would give you they did a hilarious job of ultimately getting them in the outfits from the game through whatever circumstance yeah. like Ken and Ryu were like, here, you've joined the bad guys. Let's put you into some geese because you're going to be in the trading room. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> at one point, both Zangief and Ihanda basically are fighting. So their clothes get torn off. Basically, their only blower bodies are covered like they are in the game. Chun-Li is forced to wear a quote unquote slave type outfit that's blatantly a ripoff of her normal game outfit. Yeah. Like it's it's so over the top and ridiculous they, but they did some subtle things where they made like 
E-Honda get covered and get blood on his face. And it kind of matched that pattern that you see in the game. Maybe I was, you know, looking for things that weren't there, but... I think the funnier ones are like Blanca is like injected. Oh, yeah. The chemicals. Oh, God, what were the chemical names? Like mutagen. Yeah, and, it was like... And plasma. DNA like, mutagens. Yeah, oh, God. It was so cheesy, but, it, you know, again... You don't go into this movie thinking it's going to be good. You go into the Well, it's it's funny because they talk to the director and it's like, they, they brought up these so bad it's good. And it's like, you know, did we do this on purpose? I mean, a little. Like, how could you not watch this and say that we weren't being funny on purpose? Over the top on purpose. They were campy and ridiculous. And that's okay if that's what you're going yeah. for. It's a lot of fun. If you've never watched it. Get some friends. Go watch it. It's so funny. On Peacock right now, as of recording, yeah. take a look. It's so much fun. As we said earlier, Raul Julia absolutely chews the scenery to death. In like, his final film, and he was amazing in it. Like, ugh. I think it would have been over-the-top cheesy in a not-fun way if it hadn't been for him. You know they just were like, do what you want with this. And he went yeah. way over the top, and it was perfect. It was just what we wanted. So check it out if you have a chance. We had a lot of fun watching it. You can check our Twitter. I was live tweeting a good chunk of it. Let's actually get into the meat of the game and playing through the game. I think the first yes. thing anyone talks about when talking about fighting games in general, but especially with games like Street Fighter, is who's your favorite character. We did it in our Rose Tinted is the first thing we talked about is what characters we play as. We asked you all on social media who your favorite characters are, and we got a lot of really great, fun responses. Thank you so much for, for all the feedback. This was great to read through. Yeah. So we had quite a few uh, Blancas show up. So we had our- friend, That was surprising. Our friend uh, Tom said that over on Instagram, we also had Sabrina and Chris over on Facebook mentioning Blanca and pretty much everyone identified the exact same thing, his electricity. Trick <laughs> <laughs> shock, it's a move you can spam. So everyone likes doing it, which fair enough. <laughs> yeah, that that and E Honda's uh, thousand hand slap where where a lot of people didn't mention that, but it's kind of in the same vein. I feel like yeah, absolutely. Uh, no, Ryu and Ken popped up quite a few, a couple of times as well as Akuma. I did bring up again. Akuma is, doesn't come in Street Fighter Two. He's in later Street Fighter Generations, uh, but he is another Shoto clone type character, but evil this time. Mm -hmm. He's a lot of fun, but again, it was the talk of being able to play those characters and, and use the same combos on each character and play them came up in conversation. Pete mentioned that as well as Anthony mentioned that. So a lot of people talking about that as well. I loved the comment that said that someone's favorite was Balrog because of the claws, which was a wonderful throwback to something we mentioned in the Rose on how they had to shuffle everything around because there was M. Bison, which was the boxer, but they couldn't do that because Mike Tyson would have gotten mad. So they switched, like Balrog was Vega, which is what he meant to say. And, and, and that's it's funny because that history kind of percolates through and, and it's one of those, like, didn't even realize what he was talking about. And it's there is a possibility that this is someone who played a Japanese version first, that he was still... Oh, that's a good Balrog. point, yeah. He didn't change it until the U.S., the, the English, not even the U.S., I think the English releases, they didn't change those names around. Now, of course, they've stuck with those name changes since in all editions, but the very original edition of Street Fighter Two had... Balrog as the Spaniard with the mask and the claws. So it's possible he just played a Japanese version at some point. Yeah. 
Now I'm just thinking about the movie with Vega where he was cage fighting and everyone loved Vega. And then as soon as Ryu's clothes got ripped off, all of like the old ladies were like, ooh, I like Ryu now. Like literally throwing away their signs that said, I love Vega. And And Vega, Vega looking so mad. I will also note I was correct in the rose. Vega can climb the walls, which is so cool. Yeah, I never got that to work. I tried. I actually didn't look up. I would say I tried to work on how to get him to climb the walls, but yeah. when I had to fight him, he climbed the walls. <laughs> but it was really great to see all the different characters that people play as. Yeah. Not always the characters Chris and I play as, so it was great to see why everyone plays at a, as these different characters. And I think that is such a huge part of fighting games in general. We talked about it a little bit in Soul Calibur, but I don't think we really got in depth that, like, you start identifying a, a fighting game, in my opinion, by your favorite fighter. Like, you'll oh, like yeah. fighting games more if there's a certain fighter that you really, really like. It, it sometimes mm-hmm. is more about the fighter themselves than the game itself. For, at least for me, I find. Um, and I think that's true for a lot of people because you immediately associate certain games with certain characters. Right. And that's, that's really cool and awesome. And it was great hearing from everyone. So again, check out and follow us on social media. We are going to be posing more of these kind of questions out to you all about our upcoming games because we'd love to hear from you. It was super fun interacting with everyone and really cool to see people's opinions. Because again, as you said, a lot of characters that we didn't play as kids. So it was really cool to see. Getting to the actual playthrough... All these people loved Ryu. He is the worst to fight against. I'm sorry. Ryu is just a spammy, spammy, spam AI, and I hated it. Well, you figure because Ryu has some of the most balanced movesets. He's got a lot of moves that can counter a lot of things at various distances. So again, we we mentioned this in the rows. Everyone's got different movesets. Ryu had, as we said, the Dragon Punch, which is the uppercut, the kick, and the, uh, I almost said Hadoukens, had Hadouken. the Hadoukens. And when you played him, the AI used all of them. No, but, but the AI also would then spam like seven Hadoukens in a row. Well, then learn how to beat it. Like, I don't know how to, it's... Disagree. <laughs> I would jump over everyone and he just kept being like, Hadouken. Stop it. Stop it. And as soon as you get close, he would do the dragon punch. Yes! Again, because his movesets were so good. It's what it was, was you couldn't use spammy movesets against him. You couldn't use the Spam. thousand hand punch. <laughs> you couldn't use the electricity. You couldn't use the, the kicks from Chun Li. You actually had to put together a decent combo to get him in range. Because that's the thing. If you just tried to back off, he would spam... The the Harukens, and as soon as you try to go up top, if he caught you wrong, he would do the uppercut or he's the worst. No, you're you're you're. He was the most complete fighter. (laughs) Him and Sagat, I think, were the two most complete fighters. I mean, moveset wise, and Bison, yes. And Bison, and Bison was was probably the one that I ended up. I think he's the one that I ended up beating the game with because he had the. There was a lot of that had the the back forward specials. Yeah. So you can fling your body. But his back forward was super powerful. It was. And that's the interesting thing is you had to balance with different characters of like yeah like the thousand hand punch for E Honda was super powerful and it's very similar to Chen Li's you know rapid kick. 
but he could move forward as he was doing it, which made it oh, a yeah. really strong attack. And I thought that was really interesting is you'd have the exact same combos on different characters, of course, so you didn't have to learn, like, an individual combo. You you could do similar right. ones depending on what character you're playing. But the, the power of each of those attacks was very different. Um, and so you had to learn to balance, like, on certain characters, which were the stronger attacks, which were the more powerful attack for that particular character. Um, M. Bison, yeah, it was rough. I, I didn't beat the game. I got to M. Bison, and I just kept dying. I might go back and try again. I couldn't beat it, and it was very frustrating because he just kept whooping my... It did make for some good streaming. <laughs> I, I will say, I, I beat M. Bison, but I used some exploits to get to him. Because I remember this as a that? kid. So if you play the campaign, you could get a second player to come in and hit start and take control of the computer. And if they would happen to lose, you would advance. And so after every time you lose in the campaign, you could switch characters, right? Yeah. If you continue. So you could essentially turn the campaign with two players into just a regular versus. But if the second player happened to be the character on the map location that you were at and they lost you would move to the next area. So advance forward, yeah. Yes. We didn't necessarily do this on purpose, but producer Lisa is not as good at fighting games. (laughs) I might have taken advantage of that. But I did beat M Bison on my own. I don't I don't think Ryu, I don't think I'd be I I might have. I know Sagat was a handful. Oh god, his tiger shot and tiger punch and yeah well because he could do high and low yeah uh tiger shots whatever they're called yeah. no, so tiger unlike his name because he goes tiger, okay so tiger un- unlike unlike ryu that does the hadoukens at at the high level sagat is tall enough where he could do a high and a low version of that if based on if you hit kick or punch so there was a fun moment of all the stats are available of course probably in the manual which we didn't have mm-hmm. yet all about the manual but you could all in the game you can also scroll through the stats like if you don't hit start they start growing through the stats of characters i realize yeah. and ryu and ken are like five seven which is really interesting that they're kind of yeah. shorter in the grand scheme of things but we were going and i was like wow zagat looks really tall and uh producer kyle was in the chat and he's like he's seven five and me in my brain was like he's five seven he's a really tall five seven and he's like <laughs> there's just another follow-up comment that was like read that again and i was like Oh, he's seven five. <laughs> yeah, well, that's like Vega looks huge yeah, next to like next to them. Six two. Yeah. But yeah. So it was interesting, but but it you could see that the size of the characters changed how you played a little bit, and they were taller, yeah. and they dealt with things differently. Um, and that was something you could take advantage of. Uh, another thing that comes up because again, we played the console version of this game, but it is a port. It is not meant for consoles originally. Right. So I have on my Sega Mini Classic, which is what I was playing this on this time, I've bought newer controllers that had longer wires. What I didn't realize buying the longer wires was these comes with the newer version of the controllers that have six buttons, not three. Trying this to is, play yeah. this game with three buttons seems impossible. That's why I switched from the Sega version to the Super Nintendo version. Because so the way that it worked on the Sega version is you've got three buttons and in the arcade, you have six buttons. So it's, you know, low, medium, hard attack. Sega, you've only got three, right? To switch between punch and kick, you have to hit start. That's so incredibly, incredibly 
annoying. Uh, it was just awful. Like, I, I literally had to switch to the Super Nintendo version because it's like, I can't deal with this. Yeah. And, and that is really interesting. You know what character it wouldn't have mattered as much for? Balrog, because he could only punch. And I thought those little... Oh, sorry, yeah, it doesn't kick. Duh. Yeah, those little nuances are so clever that the boxer is the only character who can't yeah. kick because he's a boxer. I didn't remember that. And so when I was playing and I, I played as him at one point just to like try him out and I was like, kick. And he's like, punch. And I was like, but I'm hitting the kick. But oh, I get it. Because <laughs> he's a boxer. Boxer. No, it's, it's little things like that about the characters. But yeah, uh, I didn't have to deal with that. So at first when Chris was like, oh, God, it's so hard playing on this controller. I was like, well, it's not like an arcade stick. But I get and, <laughs> and then he's like, yeah, having to press start every time. I'm like, press start. Oh, I have six buttons. Oh. And there are characters that don't have special kicks. Yeah. But like when I when I started with Ryu and, you know, what if his specials is a kick? Having to go back and forth, or or Guile, where one of his specials is a kick. It was tough. And the other thing you have to remember with this is the kick work in different ways. You can slide with some of the characters with kicks and stuff, so it opens things up. That was my go-to when I finally went with M. Bison, because he's got that sliding kick, which can interrupt combos and specials. And really, that's the way to go. That's a way to disrupt any sort of special or combo, or going vertically. That was the other big thing that people don't necessarily think about because M. Bison's got a vertical combo. E. Honda has a vertical combo that you never used that I think could have helped you out. Well, I'm not very good at this. (laughs) I use more combos than I thought I was going to be able to use, so I'm going to take the victories where I can get them. There are a lot of things about this game that I didn't remember going back and playing. I remembered some of the combos. I didn't remember all of them. I remembered a lot of aspects of the characters, but there'd be little nuances like... Balrog mm-hmm. not being able to kick, or the fact that M. Bison can step on your head at some point. Like, that was one moves. of his vertical moves. Yeah, Again, steps up and down head. moves are the way to go. It's just smart. But there are other things. And he does it with like just like a little tap, too. Yeah. It's it's so good because it's just like up, down, blip. Yeah, and then of course when he kills you with that, it's just humiliating. Yeah. <laughs> but there's other things that did stick with us or stick with me in particular. And I think it stuck with a lot of people. This is another thing we saw on over on social media. And we mentioned this in the rows as well as the sound effects, the, the oh, yeah. Hadouken, like we said, or uh, yoga fire or yeah. sonic boom. Like these are things that everyone remembers and will stick in their brains about this game, which is just, it kind of says something about the game. The music was so good. Still remember the guile music. And even the character select music was yeah. just, like, you hear that and you're instantly brought back 20 years. Yeah, like, it's, it's, it's so, there's so many elements of this game that are so iconic. And they define so much of those early fighting game generations. At least for us, we weren't as yeah. big as Mortal Kombat people as we were Street Fighter. So this was really our big fighting game. Um, but I think a lot of people felt that way. There were so many things that about this game that stuck out to them. And that's why I think we had so much great interaction online. Is because this is a game. Oh, yeah. Said, oh, yeah. This game this character is it you know and that that's awesome some interesting notes that i had uh just on the on the replay just various notes one i felt like at least on the sega version you could get yourself in a menu hole essentially where you literally couldn't go back like i couldn't find a way to go back so you literally had to reset the game yeah like if you went into a certain verses or something like that it's like well i don't want to do this how do i go forward Oh, I can't. I guess I just have to turn it off. You just have to reset or go into a battle and die. Yeah. Or I, I love the opening 
uh, little mini cutscene where it's just like two random dudes in, in a in a street fight. In a street. Yeah, it's like this literally has nothing to do with the game. It's just two dudes punching each other in front of a high rise building. Yeah, but I can hear that music in my head. Oh yeah. What what did you think of the actual controls themselves? Uh, we talked about the buttons. I thought I had a really hard time with the controllers, and I don't know if it's just again rose tinted glasses where I had a hard time with a lot of the combos, especially the the like downright you know the back ones are tough. I mean, it's yeah it's the reason that in later generations, it's just that a D pad will never be as good as an arcade stick, and that's just the reality of it. I don't think that has to do with rose tinted as so much as if you play on modern systems you the best people are still trying to play on an arcade stick and not on controllers just and that's what i was trying to figure out like are the controllers different than what they were before i don't think so no like it's sometimes we also play in the arcade sometimes well, we did play in the arcade because I had a, a real hard time with, with reused combos because a lot of those are, especially like the kick and the, the dragon punch, where you have to go down, forward, and then that in-between state. And maybe it's because I, I didn't, you know, have a good feel. You had to be careful, too, because there were some moves that were only added in the hyper mode. So you might not have had that move in the regular mode that you were. Nah, these were these were the basic ones. I think I just wasn't good enough. I mean, I wasn't good enough to do a lot of moves, so I know that was yeah. my problem. I was like, part of me wants to do a versus mode to plug the other controller in and just leave it there and just practice moves on the other person. Yeah. Like that was something we did as kids, though, is we would just sit there in versus mode and be like, no, no, let me try this move first. Don't, yeah. don't, don't move. Let me try this first. This not having a practice mode was tough. It was, it was, and I think that's part of it as well with the combos. But yeah, it was it was tough doing these some of these combos. I did I struggled a lot with getting these combos more so than Soul Calibur for sure. Um, even if I knew how to do them, actually executing was tough at times. Yeah, we got to get down to the scores. So Chris, what score do you give Street Fighter Two on whichever system you want to score it on? Both, whatever. What do you give it? I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. It was way harder to play than I remember. And again, that might be just because I couldn't spend the time that I did when I was a kid. But there's not a lot of depth to it. But I had a ton of fun even playing, you know, just in the single player. And just re-exploring all of those moves of all the different characters. The characters just felt so different. I enjoyed playing a whole lot. What about you? What is your final score? I think I'm also going to give it a 7 out of 10. I really still had a lot of fun with it. I think the frustration of not being able to execute everything the way you want to is there. I think the other point yeah. that both of us made while streaming is we could really only play maybe a half an hour, maybe 45 minutes at a time when you're playing, especially yeah. by yourself. It's not a game that I felt like I could just keep playing over and over and over again. I think it was better in short stints, which is fine, yeah. but it's something to kind of know going in. So a 7 out of 10, I really still enjoyed it. You see why it is the iconic series it is today there's so many elements that will forever stick in my brain i still loved it it's just it's not gonna live up to the bigger games in the long run and it's definitely better with an arcade stick which neither of us had so nope uh or in an arcade which occasionally we've i've run into them still in arcades and like nowadays and i kicked producer kyle's butt yeah the other thing I wanted to mention, there are definitely remakes of this game. Of course, as we said, there's a million different iterations of Street Fighter 2, but the most recent iteration of Street Fighter 2 came out in 2018, 
as <laughs> part of the Street Fighter 30th anniversary collection. So if you want this game on one of the modern systems, it's available on basically the previous generation, so PS4, uh, Xbox One. One. Oh god. Uh, you know, <laughs> and I think possibly the the Switch. Um, I think they they have those games, so it's available if you want it. It's worth getting to me. It's still a lot of fun, especially nostalgia. Like if if you played this game as a kid, it is definitely worth playing again as it'll make the controls probably a whole lot easier since everything's gone to a d or you know a stick instead of a d-pad yeah if you have the chance play the game it's a lot of fun if you go to an arcade when the world opens up again play some street fighter it's a lot of fun absolutely play it in the arcade because i think the arcade is the perfect setting for it another fun fact perfect (laughs) another fun fact about the movie uh m bison had his little crazy control Yes. Tower thing. And the controls from there were literally a Street Fighter console, arcade arcade console. Yeah. And and it was amazing. Especially since clearly Raul Julia had no idea how to do anything on that. So was uh, doing what you did during your playthrough and just smashing buttons. Hey, not true. I did combos too. Rude. So that does it for us this episode. Katie, what is our next episode? The next episode, we will be covering Kirby Superstar for the SNES. In all of the games that are involved in that. So it's it's instead of one big game, it's going to be a bunch of little games. So many little games. So a good way to see us play through that is to catch us on our Twitch stream. It's a good way to catch us playing all of the upcoming games. And it's a great way to chat with us. We've got a, a nice little core of people that... That come hang out when we play. Please add to that. Come hang out. We're we're generally nice people. We don't bite. We have a fun time. Only Winston bites, and he doesn't count. <laughs> Join us on all our social media. We're GWGW Show, pretty much everywhere. Like I said, we're going to be reaching out more about these questions on what is your favorite character, what do you remember, stuff like that. Uh, also, we have all of our announcements there when we when we uh, Twitch stream, when we have new episodes out, so join us there as well. But uh, we really appreciate everyone who's interacted uh, with us so far. Uh, it's great getting to know you all, and we look forward to keep doing so. It is super fun interacting with you guys. We couldn't do it without you, obviously. Couldn't do it without the listeners, the viewers on Twitch. Couldn't do it without the producers keeping us on the straight and narrow. Big thanks for listening. Love you guys. Our round timer is about to expire. So say goodbye, Katie. Goodbye, Katie. Goodbye, everyone. Bye. Perfect. You lose. <laughs> I need to think of another noise. I always want to do the horns every time. <laughs> I want to be... Ha ha ha, No. Mm. Mm.